Support Black Podcast. This is Karma. She is the Blurred Girl, a freelance commercial video and film editor by day, and a comic book reading, anime watching, TV live tweeting, K-pop listening, blog writing geek girl by night. She uses her blog and her podcast to shine a light on sequential art, comic books, graphic novels, and pop culture with a focus on characters of color primarily created by people of color. Join her on theblurredgirl.com. That's the T-H-E Blurred B-L-E-R-D Girl G-U-R-L dot com. Theblurredgirl.com. Go there and support Black Podcast. Hello, welcome once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. I'm your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays 8 to 10 on G-Town Radio, and I'm joined as always by... Yo, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribble's fame. And on this episode, as we continue our month of Afrofuturism slash black science fiction... <laughs> We will be discussing 2016's The Girl with All the Gifts. Yeah. But before we do that, I, I, I believe we have some feedback, a little this, a little that. Mr. Webb? Yes, we have letters. All right. Oh, we have letters and all posts right. and emails aplenty. A little this, a little that. Goes a long way. Um, thankfully, thankfully, people continue to chime at us via email at michellemission at gmail.com. Excellent. Has also uh, become members of our Facebook group, Michelle Mission. A robust well. collective. Yes, they are. And follows us on Instagram as well as on Twitter. Yes. At uh, Mission Michelle or Michelle Mission. Either way, it gets you there. Uh, we posted our show from last week, our review of iRobot. Yes, yes. And at the top of that show, I did an apology. Yes, you did. For um, my my Tyler Perry rant. Yes. As it were. Tirade, even. Yes. Yes, tirade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I guess that would, that, yes, it was a tirade. Right, right. Uh, Matt, Matt Cantwell wrote us and said, not sure the apology was needed. It's refreshing to hear someone's honest opinion. Respect for reviewing yourself and wanting to reevaluate. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, along those lines, I actually have a um I don't know if it's an apology, but but a, a re a, a a restatement of something. I saw a restatement of of an opinion. Okay. A revising of an opinion, if you will. Okay. I actually saw Ready Player 1. Oh, you did. Remember I hadn't seen it. Right. Most of my critique was based on the book. Yes. And and most of my critique was based on the way that the book handled race, mm-hmm. which was clumsy. At best. At best. Right. And I think that the movie did a better job than the book 
there were actually one or two racialized markers. There was reference to Michael Jackson, reference to Prince. Yes. Um, as as you mentioned, the whole the the, the whole subplot about H mm-hmm. race and gender bending is ignored altogether. Right. And that still bothers me a little bit, but I think it was best to ignore it mm-hmm. rather than address it the way that Ernest Klein did badly in the novel. Right. So as far as the racial part of it, I give it a C minus. How do, what kind of grade do you give the movie overall? I mean, overall, it was <laughs> I came away thinking that it was Steven Spielberg cosplay. Oh, interesting. Like, if I didn't know that Steven Spielberg made this film, I would say someone tried to make a Steven Spielberg movie. Hmm. You know, I didn't think it had a lot of heart. I didn't think it had a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. It was it was very s- sort of by the numbers. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the novel. Okay. Like, like I think I think as um I, I heard a couple of 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 South Park fans say it's it, it was Member Berries the movie. Yes, it was. So, you know. But, like I've been saying about a lot of this stuff, my daughter loved it. And that's all that counts. And that's, and that's all that really counts. Especially in a movie that was made for her. Especially in a movie that was made for her. So, just wanted to interject that since we were revising opinions. And Thank you very kindly. Yes. Robert Monroe wrote us. Hey, what's up, Robert? He said, Len's review of the latest Tyler Perry debacle was priceless. I would suggest that you guys review all of Perry's oeuvres, but I'd be afraid that Len would have a stroke mid-review. And no one wants that. No one wants that. Um, And I don't think the work of Tyler Perry rises to the level of being known as an oeuvre. (laughs) Perhaps not. Robert continues, I think you guys may be mispronouncing Gina Prince by the woods last name. I believe it's by the wood, like a direction. Years ago, I met a sister whose last name was up the grove. I'm not sure of the origins of these African American directional names, but I may change mine to Robert round the block. (laughs) Well, if we are mispronouncing Ms. By the Woods name. Understand is the clumsiness of our tongues, not the hardness of our hearts. Very and true. And we apologize. MC Picket Fence wrote us on. Uh, also, I ain't going to speak for Lynn. I mispronounce everybody's name. We, we both do. So, I, right. can't, I can't let that lay at your feet. All right. <laughs> we both kick people's lanes, names down the lane, dog. <laughs> MC Picket Fence wrote us at MichelleMachine at gmail.com. Hey, what's up, man? I love what you are doing for the month of April because my favorite subject is Afrofuturism. But I really nice. hope one of you picks Space is the Place for one of your selections. After all, Sun Ra is the father of Afrofuturism. Interesting that he would say Sun Ra was. Why do you say that? I would argue W.E.B. Du Bois was. Hmm. Good point. On another note, I think you all nailed your review of iRobot. This really could have been a great movie, but it was just okay. Not terrible, but not great either. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, MC Pick Fence. Appreciate that feedback. Always. Always. It's all on point. As usual, everybody is having fun. If we haven't mentioned it before, we're mentioning it again. 
you are missing out on a great time if you are not in the Facebook group. I know some people think Facebook is dead, but um, we're having fun. Yeah, oh yeah. All 287 members of us. Oh boy, need 13 more who will crack three. Oh my. I remember when we were talking about cracking two. Robert Monroe actually pointed out that there was um, you you heard about the uh, those around the country listening to us uh, may have heard about a recent um, incident that ha- took place at Starbucks. Yeah, oh yeah, in Philadelphia, yeah, absolutely, where two black men were arrested basically for just sitting in there for doing Starbucks stuff. They were doing Starbucks stuff. True, they did not order anything to eat. No, they drink. didn't. So they were just sitting there. And I don't know how long they were sitting there. Which is something that lots and lots and lots of people do. Lots and lots of people do. But and 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 it's fine if you tell people that, hey, you've got to buy something. Right. But they got arrested. Well, you know, it got to the point where somebody felt like I'm gonna call the police. And then the police felt like they needed to put these boys in hand right. in hand handcuff. Right. So anyway, we um in answer to that. There was a protest yes. at that Starbucks here in Philadelphia. Yes. And I think at a few other Starbucks around I'm the country. Sure. I think I'm sure. As well. well, Robert Monroe posted on here um, from shopblack.us. They did an article about 47 black-owned coffee and tea businesses that are great alternatives to Starbucks. Absolutely. You know, so that's, um, that's pretty cool. And um, it, it points out that Amalgam Comics and Coffee House of is course. on the list. Of course they are. Of course. Here's here's the thing. I'm not even going to start naming black coffee shops in Philadelphia because I'm afraid I'm going to forget some. Well, yeah. Because like, there's at least a half dozen here. Well, yeah, there are. There are. There's a great new one just opened up uh, not far from here. Uh, Uncle Bobby's. Right, 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 right. From Mark Lamont Hill of CNN. Thing. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but they point out more than a few. I wonder if you're familiar, are you familiar with this one? Because I asked you, Vince, because it's in Washington, D.C. The Uprising Muffin Company? I am not. Yeah, they're in Washington, D.C. Very nice. Yeah, sounds cool. Uh, like we mentioned, a Malcolm Comics. More Than Java Cafe, which is in Laurel, Maryland. Uh, Golden Time Coffee and Cafe in St. Paul, Minnesota. Currency Exchange Cafe in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, T-topia. I like that name. T-topia. Yeah. That's, that's in, in Baltimore. No, that's in St. Louis. Oh. That's actually in St. Louis. Um, let's see. There is Boone Buna Coffee in Seattle, Washington. Okay. Tea Leaves Tea House and Bookstore in Denver, Colorado. And there's and this is another one in D, in, in DC. Or there's two in the DC area, two more in the DC area. How close is Fredericks to DC? That's not that close. It's it's a little it's clo- closer than not. Uh, this, well, it's a little off on the side okay. between Baltimore and uh, D.C. Because in Fredericks, Maryland, there's the Serenity Tea Room. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that there's You've a black. There? No, that there's a black coffee shop in Frederick. Why? Frederick, Frederick is not an area that traditionally has had a lot of black. It's a cool area. Mm-hmm. Like I actually like Frederick, mm-hmm. but I, when I think black people, I don't think Frederick. Oh, okay, I feel you. And then there's the D.C. Conscious. Cafe that's in uh, Washington D.C. as well. Okay, and I just want to point out that Uncle Bobby's is on here. Of course, so you know that's pretty dope. Um, so hey, and that is posted in our Facebook group. Very nice. So if you are you know around the country because we have show missionaries all over the country. Yes, we are. So go and find some place, and, and there's no reason to support. Like I mean, like 
what truly, you know, let's be real. What has Starbucks done for us lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that much. Markham Lee said it made another binge lounge suggestion. Okay, what's this one? Um, I think Markham is like bucking. He wants to be the, like the curator of the binge lounge. <laughs> like he just basically wants to like, this is what y'all should talk on. All right, on the fifth binge lounge. Yes, This yes. is what you're going to do. Uh, he made a suggestion of Small Island. It's a two-part BBC TV movie miniseries about black men from the Caribbean who went to the UK to fight in World War II, often at their own expense. Wow. The racism that they faced and how they later became the first wave of Caribbean immigration to the UK post-World War II. Wow. uh, The miniseries, excuse me, stars Naomi Harris, David Oyewelu, um, and I'm sorry. You can stop there. What with that cast? But if you need more bona fides, you have Ruth Wilson and Benedict Cumberbatch. Nice, Ruth Wilson. That's uh, that's an old girl and preacher now, isn't it? Is she? No, I'm thinking of Ruth. I think her name Leslie, like Nega. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. All right. That's that's not her. Okay. Uh, yeah, that sounds kind of pretty. That does sound dope. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. On the list. Island. Small Island definitely goes on the on the list. Um, Phil Wasoba, hey Phil, made his first post to the Michelle Mission Facebook group. All right, I don't know if y'all are planning on doing Come Sunday, but I think y'all should consider it. I won't say it's a good movie just yet because I'm watching it now and I want to see how it plays out. However, I think the conversation y'all would have would make for a great episode. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. Also, it has Chiu Watel Etufor in it. Oh, does it? And I know how to pronounce his name, so. So that you want to make sure. So now I want to make sure we do everything he said. Now, this is on Netflix. Yeah, this is on Netflix. Is it a Netflix film? Yeah, it is. See, okay. Falls outside of our purview. But that's interesting, though, because I have a, I have a thought about that. Uh-uh. Only because our purview are films that are released to theaters. Yes. Right? Usually you have to have some kind of a theater release. Yes. But is that painting too much of an old school line in the sand? And for this reason, I can understand that we didn't want to do movies that went straight to DVD. Right. Because movies that went kind of like straight to DVD were usually considered of a lower budget or whatever. But now there are movies that are premiering on places like Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, that that those three services, just uh, to name those three are buying at film festivals for their streaming services. Right. So they maybe never really had the... For them, them premiering on those streaming services is akin to their big screen debut. So do we hold that against those such films? I'm thinking like this film, because I know that this... uh, is a Netflix original, and they all say Netflix original, but that's just the way that these services brand. Them. So, are you saying that maybe if they're at a film festival, like I, to me, like if they were purchased, 
they, they were purchased them. right so instead of a distribution deal they they're purchased by Netflix right. or Amazon or because I'm thinking so, about like, so maybe our rule could be if it premiered at a film festival yeah because usually because they're usually buying them from a film festival okay I'm open to this let's talk about it yeah because like like just thinking about Netflix right mm-hmm to me, to me, I wouldn't want us to review Bright because Bright was made for Netflix. Right. That was Netflix made that movie. But Mudbound, Netflix right. purchased. Netflix purchased it. Yeah, I like this. I especially like this because it's this a movie called Gina the Joneses that I've been wanting to do for a year and a half. But I think it was purchased by one of the... um. One of the services, yeah, or, or even like I think maybe like TV One bought it. TV One, but it was at the film festival, and it's fantastic. Yeah, but TV One, what's TV One going to do with it? Put it on with commercials? Well, they put it on and it got lost, but it got really great reviews, really great write-up. I really wanted to talk about it. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, not on the mic. All right, well, all right, that's yeah. business. That's but business I like stuff. that. I like that though. I, I like the film festival loophole yeah yeah okay because i've been wanting to do yeah. that all right um okay one last thing before we get into to the uh, review um i put it out there you did to the missionaries asking whether or not they felt that um our feedback section like the one we're in the midst of now right right, right. was maybe a little bit too long right maybe it needed to move to the end or right maybe do it when we do our binge lounge and just right. have a whole bunch of stuff. Right. Uh, and we've had two really long ones the last couple episodes. We ha- we have right. We have. Um, and our our missionaries, man, they they responded, man. They 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 went in, and it looks like the. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, Aaron Fry wrote, "It's fine, just the way it is. It's like the preliminary before the main event." Uh, uh, Alara Tozen of one half of the $10 billion um, missionaries said leave it as is I can appreciate that Joseph Lechuga said I love the show the way it is going I have always enjoyed it I did have to worry for Vince after the attack the block incident uh, episode to talk about Tyler Perry's acrimony a film by Tyler Perry was making him laugh so much that I thought <laughs> he might not be able to breathe properly <laughs> Lucas Human I just love saying his name I know said that if it ain't broke well you know the rest yes um, however uh, Ibn Viron Chef and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that said Yes, please. Oh, my God. I love the show, but it's been about three to four weeks in a row that I had to skip the episode until I got to see a movie or read a comic that was about to be spoiled. <laughs> and then I had to pause the show. Right, right, right. And that, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good point there. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a good point. There's a good point. Uh, and there's this interesting conversation that was had between Steve Tozen and Markham Lee. These two, they always love going back to back. 
Steve Tozum starts, the feedback is just as important, entertainment, and as insightful as the movie review. I do support, however, an annual murdering of sacred cows episode. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. To which Markham Lee said, aren't three out of four of the episodes already instances of Len murdering a sacred cow? (laughs) You know, not that I'm judging the brother. Uh, To which Steve says, well, there's an incident at a binge lounge where Vince lays waste to a bunch of sacred cows. We were driving to a movie and I honestly wanted to stay in a parking lot to hear the whole whole show. Uh, At which point Markham asked, which episode i suspect vince was on a cow murder rampage is immensely entertaining (laughs) because it's right here in the text it's right there it says it right there and it says this is terrible (laughs) that that was spot on vince hey that was spot on i like to use the proof (laughs) (laughs) that was spot on i must i must citation 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 yes uh and too much then uh steve followed up with um that he endorses a murder of sacred cows mission Michelle mission t-shirt. Okay. Which I have to say is an excellent idea. <laughs> yeah. That is actually a yes, very good idea. Yes. Yes. And we shall have to make that. Story. All right. Uh, and to that, I will say, I appreciate everyone who has um, been ordering stuff from uh, the Michelle Mission Absolutely. store, ordering T-shirts as well as lapel pins. Uh, the most recent orders that were that were placed, I actually had to get a a, a whole new run of shirts because we had sold out. Oh my goodness! Um, so, but the shirts have come in. So those those and the lapel pins will be going out in the mail this week. All so right, them in the mail this week. Excellent, and thank you, thank you very much. We appreciate all of you. All right. Okay. All right. Well, enough of that. Yeah. Um, we need to uh, get into a movie. All right. It is 2016's. 2016's. The girl. The girl with all the gifts. Rise and shine. Come on up, you get transit. Hello, Dr. Caldwell. Hello, Melanie. Morning, class. Good morning, Miss Justina. Once upon a time, there was a woman. The most beautiful and amazing woman in all the world. No! You just touched her. Watch. No, please, don't do that. They're only children. Stop it! One day, she was attacked by a monster. But then a girl came running up and killed it. And the woman said, You are my special girl, and I'll never let you go. She saved me, and you're still afraid of her? Yeah, and you should be too. I am producing a vaccine, and she is the main ingredient. What am I? Hope. That's what you are. 
just want to live. Everyone wants that. She loves you. What the hell is this? The world is falling apart. You can save people, Melanie. You can save everybody. The Girl with All the Gifts, 2016 film, directed by Colm McCarthy and written by M.A. Carey, adopted from his novel of the same name. In the future, a strange fungus has changed nearly everyone into thoughtless, flesh-eating monsters. When a scientist and teacher find a girl and a group of children who seem to be immune to the fungus, they begin a journey to save humanity. Uh, Gemma Arterton, Patty Constantine, Glenn Close, Mm -hmm. Glenn Close, and uh, starring as the title character, Sanaya Nanua as Melanie, the girl with all the gifts. Lynn, this was your choice. It was my choice, as suggested by Vince Williams. <laughs> yes. Uh, and to that, I say thank you. This was um, a very smart, um, thought-provoking, enjoyable thrill ride of a movie. Mm-hmm. I really... There's not an aspect of this movie that I did not enjoy. I loved how the movie opens up. And for the first, I'd say about 15, 20 minutes, you're in this intensely close, um, small, intimate, like, I... Thriller is not then. It's just a provocative movie as it it, is... Introducing you to the world of this young girl that you know is kept captive, right? In this, in this, what amounts to basically a box, and then brought to this classroom, strapped from head, literally from head to toe, into this chair, mm-hmm. and then brought to this classroom with all these little kids. And this movie has all the earmarks of your more uh, lower budget thrillers or horror movies like real tight close-ups you know you know long establishing shots of people walking down hallways or you know or or shots deep shots of of a room with with you know making you feel like this movie is taking place in a very cramped quarters Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's the hallmarks of almost every independent film and then about 15 20 minutes in you go onto an elevator that goes up, which is the first time that you realize, oh, we weren't on, we were underground. Mm-hmm. You go up and then it opens up and the whole world of this movie opens up and, and it just becomes, even though it is still a horror film and it's still in this kind of like, you know, post-apocalyptic dystopian society, the world still opens up and looks that much brighter, even in the in the in the midst of 
horror overrunning the scene, you know, mm-hmm. without totally giving it away. But just that, I just it just just thrilled me because to me that was just such intelligent, smart movie making, you know. Um, and considering that this was the first film that Cole McCarthy had directed, yeah, that was like, whoa, yeah, all right, brother, mm-hmm. I ain't mad at you. Um, this. I, it easily could have fallen on the same tropes of, you know, a lot of other, I guess, zombie films. Because they're mostly, they, 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 the, it looks like there are zombies running around. Yeah, yeah, they, absolutely. But they, technically, they're, they're called hungries or right. whatever. Um, it gets into it. what all zombie movies um, stay clear away from, at least to me, in my estimation. This film gets into more of the creation of what the what brought on the virus. Looks at it from a different point of view because it looks at it more as a fungus, right? That is growing, and then and a, and a fungus that is constantly mutating. Yeah. So that you so that the 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 zombie is not the final stage, right? You know, there's more. You, it just gets worse for you, right? As you see further down the line, then you know. And, it, and if you want to have an idea of what that is, just pay attention to that word. It's a fungus. Yeah. And oh if you yeah. Know anything about a fungus and what it does? Trust me, that's what it's doing. Um. So, just how that how that plays out in the in this film is really is really interesting, and. And 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 different than from what you see from all the other like zombie films that sure. are out there, um, and then even some of some of the visuals are like real, real, real striking. Like there's yeah. a couple of scenes where the zombies are just stopped in place. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just stopped, and it makes it all the more eerie, mm-hmm. all the more creepy. You know what I mean? Uh, and then they have a totally different way of looking at how this is looking at children dealing with this, um, dealing with this environment, dealing with this fungus. Um, you know, I'm trying not, I'm trying, I'm trying not to spoil it. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, or at least not right out at the, at the top, okay. I guess. All right. You gonna let me spoil it? I'll spoil it. I'm sure you will. Uh. Um, but uh, it just really is um, just a a really really smart movie, yeah. and is it is so well cast, oh. so well cast. Yeah, I mean, you like you you highlighted Glenn Close name in this, and Glenn Close is a woman who, to me, is much like to me. First of all, to me, she's every good. Bit the actress that Meryl Streep is. Oh, absolutely. And, I absolutely agree with you. And by that, I mean that maybe even, maybe not quite as much as Meryl Streep, but not far, not far below in that they both, despite their names, can get lost in a character. They fully commit. Yeah. They so that you fully don't commit. see them yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. And in this film, it would have been very easy for her to like, you know, she let's for lack of a better word, plays the um the antagonist in this film. Mm-hmm. And she could have been very showy with it, but she doesn't. 
She's not at all, you know? As a matter of fact, there's actually a couple of roles in this film that easily could have come off as, like, the heavy. Yeah. Yet, this film smartly shows, you know, that there are two sides to every coin. Right. And, like, in, 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 in this situation, in this world that where they are, you know, one man's heavy is another man's, like, doing what you have to do. Right. Looking out for actually the unseen other man, you mm-hmm. know, um, which is what she plays in this film. Uh, so I thought that was re- really very well done. Gemma Arterton and Patty Constant- Constantine. Uh, Patty is the, the sergeant. Gemma as this teacher. They are just great. Yeah. In oh, film. yeah. You just you just follow them along the way. And, but what makes this movie so great is that you fully feel the full embodiment of all of those characters, even though the film is almost entirely from the viewpoint of the girl with all the gifts, Melanie. Yeah. Played by Sanaya Nanua. Yeah. Who is mesmerizing. You can you cannot take your eyes off. Of her, yeah. nor would you want to, because she is so smart. Yeah, in every little thing that she does. I mean, this picture. She has more than a couple of scenes where she is going toe to toe with Glenn Close, and she is giving it to her. Yeah. She, oh yeah. You you you, you are, She is giving it right back, and um, it's this is another film much like attack the block where the characters just feel authentic mm-hmm. and you, you almost forget that is acting. Yeah. If, it, if it wasn't for the, you know, the science fictional, you know, vibe of the film, you would forget everything about it, especially because again, just a head outs to the, to the filmmakers in this movie, Everything about this movie from the world building aspect is so spot on, so thoughtful. Yeah. You know, how like this is the difference between this and Ready Player One. Ready Player One is supposed to be set in a in a in a in a world that while not post-apocalyptic, is not supposed to be doing very well. Right. But you don't feel it. Right. You, and and because you don't feel it, you do not care. And therefore, you don't care about the about the characters. In this, you feel where they're going through. For every shot where it seems like there's almost like a beautiful field, once they get to the cities, the cities is jacked up, man. Yeah. And you you can you. You feel it viscerally. You see it in their clothing. You see it in their demeanor, in their walk, in their gait. You see it in their breath, in their breathing, in the glasses on the glass on the ground. It's everywhere. The long shots, everything of this, everything of this movie transports you into that world, which then makes this film just feel that much more personal for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And. It is just so smartly done, and I will give another kudos to the writer of this film, Mike Carey, who uh, wrote this screenplay along the, while he was writing the book of the same name, mm-hmm. 
And for all of you comic book followers out there, Mike Carey is the writer of the of Lucifer. Yeah, that's Lucifer right. Comic book. Also that's had right. a run on Hellblazer. Yeah, well, well respected. I was about to say he's been writing writer. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, big time, and had some time at Marvel as well. So um, props to him for you know laying it down, dog. He 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 put in work on this. This this was just a really really great film that I enjoyed from beginning to end yeah oh yeah i don't have much to add to that i agree with everything you just said the acting the story the direction all of it i will i will just you know say that part of the reason that i love this film is that like you said you mentioned the world building Mm -hmm. but what i really admired was the fact that the shorthand was so sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That this world without a lot of details, without a lot of exposition, like the film assumes that all of us now cuz this is a, is a post walking dead mm-hmm. zombie movie. Mm-hmm. This is a film that assumes that the audience can fill in the blanks. Right. Right. So C- civilization has fallen, something bad has happened, you get these very striking visuals of what has occurred, but the movie is very clear that this is not a movie about the zombie apocalypse. Right. The the zombie apocalypse is just the backdrop. Exactly. Yeah. To yeah. what this film is kind of of dealing with, and I think as a zombie movie, you, you know, we kind of it, it's kind of like a, a technicality saying that this is a science fiction film because as you said they say that you know oh, it was the fungus and it does take this very scientific approach mm-hmm. to it but i think this film fits very neatly into the tradition of smart zombie movies like this is really way more george romero than just you, you know bite them up eat them up chop 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 zombies yeah and that's why it kind of speaks to me. And, and you know, one detail, you know, as you mentioned, Mike Carey wrote the novel and the film mm-hmm. script. And there's one detail, and, and you know, to, to why we're talking about it here on this show. In the book, Melanie is described as a little white girl, mm-hmm. basically. She's you know, very pale, very this, apparently, because I didn't read the book, but just reading reviews and all of the book, apparently the children who are infected become pale almost albino oh. and the teacher is described as black interesting so that he switched he he race bended it for the film interesting which i think added this really really fascinating texture to it because now you have this little black girl who is the future yeah, I, I mean, you know, you're talking about spoiling it, but but you know, ultimately the film ends, and and the the children, the the hungry, the the hungries, you know, the the zombies are called hungries. The adults who are infected are mindless zombies, right. but the children, while they are zombies and they have those zombie appetites, still have cognitive skills. Right, and when the film ends, the world belongs to these children. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a black person representing the future yeah. and saying that this this new world is our world, 
I think you get something something worth talking about. And you know, it, it kind of reminded me really of another another British science fiction film, one of my favorite science fiction films of the past twenty years, Children of Men. Right. Which has this same notion where where, you know, humanity has pretty much died out and a human is born. But it's it's a little black girl. Mm -hmm. It's a little black girl with a black mother. You know, much like Children of Men, it it is British as well. And and I think you can make an argument that that, you know, it reflects maybe some of the ongoing anxiety in Europe and in England in particular about their their national identity and what will the future look like and it's going to be brown and, you know, so on and so forth. But I think it works really, really well in this context. And and back to this film, when you have this little black girl who is the girl with all the gifts and you have all of this imagery where, you know, she's shackled Mm -hmm. for most of the film. Yeah, and, well, yeah, that's true. And, yeah. you know, and just the image of a little black girl shackled. The fact that the philosophical debate in this film, because, again, the zombie part is in a lot of ways just the backdrop. But Glenn Close plays a scientist. Jimma Arrington plays a teacher. Um, Sergeant Banks, played by Combe. No, that's Patty. Patty. Uh, Mundine. Pasta. Patty. Considine. Right. And really what you have are these three white characters. And the real debate in the film is whether or not Melanie is a person. You know, is she a person? Is, is she this, a person or a thing? Or a thing. You know, and and all of that kind of speaks to something really old when we talk mm-hmm. about race mm-hmm. and we talk about and 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 I think that's very deliberate on the part of of Mike Carey okay when he did switch the race so that in my mind that's what puts it in our wheelhouse okay. like that's what puts that film somewhere where you and I would talk about it right because right. all of that is there yeah all of that is there and and I think it is it is dealt with beautifully. Yeah. It, it's dealt with beautifully. And and you know, back to the image of this little black girl, I think it's also really a really, really how do I want to say this? It it it's it sort of parallels what we talked about with John Boyega's character and attack the block okay. where he is you, you, you know he he is this you, you know he's he's the protagonist he's the hero but he does have this edge to him right which makes him a much more fully fleshed out character right i love the fact that they that this film never ever shies away from the fact that melanie is a hungry mhm and melanie you, you know I, I love the imagery of of when when she's bloodied Mm-hmm. You know wh- whether she's eating another human, whether she's eating a cat, yeah, whether bird. You, w- eating a bird. There's a part at the end where she has to basically challenge the 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 leader of another pack of hungries. Yeah, the Rufio, for, right for 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 dominance, mm-hmm. and and she actually engages. Like this is not a case of. I am better than you and and we have to be better than this and and I'm going to spare you. No. She kills him. Yeah. She kills him and and 
and all of that is true. So she's this beautiful little, and she, you know, the, the actress is a wonderful actress. Sania you know, Nanua. Sania beautiful little girl, precocious, everything that you want in a female, you know, a young girl protagonist. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean all these other parts aren't in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah, and and there. and I think in a lot of ways that makes her a better character, a better character than oh you or just just, just a better overall, character in overall. in general. And you know I don't know how much that has to do with it being British. I don't know you know because I don't know how much American filmmaking there have been examples of our committing to that. Yeah, like we shy away from the child as you you know, it's as as a multi dimensional character. The child is a monster character, or child is an innocent. Yeah, I but think the have, only time I've only at least recently, I think that's on display in you know again in a in a superhero film uh, in Logan. I think that's kind of like a little okay. bit on display. Yeah, there. Um, but I, I definitely see what you're saying. Like we do more often than not, kind of like shy away from going there. Yeah, real, really committing to it, and there is a commitment to that in this film. Um, and uh, I do agree with you about her being like the future, and I think even more powerfully is that she is taking the future. Mm. For herself. Right. You know what I mean? And she takes the future for herself. That that scene notwithstanding, where you talk about where she kind of like has to fight for dominance over these this pack of hungries, young hungries. Um, but she more or less takes the future by her own hands, but it's not a violent scene. Mm-hmm. It's by it's by simply playing the game. That Glenn Close has been playing with her the entire film, yeah. and then basically throwing her own words back in her face, yeah, as as she has been wont to do through this whole film. Because while her innocence, I think, is shown throughout the film and is genuine, also is her cunning in her intellect, exactly, and that has and. And that has just been formulating, watching, you know, everybody meticulously, noticing everybody's, um, you know, their certain tics, what they're doing, where things are, where certain things are on their clothes so they can get up. She can get at them, you know, without them even knowing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Handcuffs. Um, Her slowly, slowly, methodically building up the, everyone's trust in her. Oh yeah, you know, um, and rightfully so. She doesn't. She doesn't like you know throw that trust in their face at all. Right. Um, I think it's telling in that in the relationship that she does have with you know the doctor Glenn Close, her teacher uh, Gemma Ar- Arterton, uh, the sergeant Patty Constantine. And then there's another young black soldier, yeah, who she has a who's who's black, who she has a more personal 
yeah. relationship with. She calls him by his first name, and I'm drawing a blank on the first name. Oh, how about that? Good catch. You know, but yeah. she, that's the only one she, she sure does. First name. That's the one who, as much as she feels for her 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 teacher all, all along, mostly because the teacher was looking out for her and stuff like that. That's the one who she's like quick to run run out. Like, no, we have to save him. Right. You know, I have his scent on me. I can track him down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's because he is the one who throughout the film, even at the beginning of the film, was the first indication of someone trying to be personable with her. Yeah. Like, he along with another soldier had to go get her for class and the whole, the whole um, ritual of going to get them for class is you know, strapping them in the, in the, in the seat and taking them down this long hallway. And he would do that guns drawn, lock her in a seat, making sure to stand behind her. So he, she doesn't catch a scent, his scent because everything is about the scent. Um, but then when he's driving, riding her down the hall, he's the one that's leaning on. He's leaning on the leaning chair. On there. He's like, you know, he's chilling because, you know, this, this is my girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the sergeant has to snap him back. Yeah. You know, which is the first sign that you think, oh, the sergeant is going to be this big heavy. Right. And then the tables turn on that. He's not the big heavy. It's because of what this situation is. He understands you've got to keep a certain detachment. Yeah. Because that detachment will keep you alive. No shame. Nothing against you. Right. But I need this detachment to keep me alive. And I need to keep I need my soldiers to be cognizant of that. Right. You know, and it is that barrier that is slow to come down for the sergeant. But once they are in a situation where it's about do I leave her? That sergeant still is a sergeant first. Right. He still is military first. You do not leave a child behind. Right. That child is not quite a child, but I can't leave that child behind. Well, the the irony is, is again, back to one of the themes of the film, that's old world thinking. True. And now we're in a new world. True. And you're thinking like you're in the old world and thinking like the old, like you're in the old world gets you killed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a very quick exchange that I thought was was really telling. So, so again, the hungries have to eat flesh and in, in, in living living beings. Right. And there's this, you know, detail throughout that if they can't eat humans, they eat animals. Yes. Melanie goes out. Um, for a period on a mission, and while she's out, she eats a cat. Yeah. Later in the film, Melanie and the adults, you know, including Jim Arton's character, are walking, and they see an ad, an old ad from before, you know, the apocalypse for uh for an animal shelter, mm-hmm. and it's a picture of a little girl holding a cat, and and Jim Arton sees Melanie looking at the picture and says, "Oh, do you want a cat?" <laughs> And Melanie says, oh, I had one earlier. But in that exchange, you see the difference where Jim Arrington is still thinking of cats mm-hmm. as pets. Right. Not in this world. No. And it's it's just this little breakdown of communication. But there's so much in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's 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 amazingly well done. It's amazingly well done. It reminds me of of the. Well, of the of the story of the novel, um, I am legend, but also of of the the cut of the film that I like. Okay, because you, you know there's the theatrical cut, and then there's the cut that they wanted to release, and then people didn't really 
respond to it that right. well. You know, this notion that what we call the monster, mm-hmm. what we call the animal, is really just looking at things from a different perspective. Right. And, you know, at some point, in, at one point in this film, Melanie actually says, um, what does she say? Oh, you, you know, where, when she, she releases, the, you know, the, she releases the spores, it's going to affect everyone. And the sergeant says, it's all over. And she says, it's not over. It's just not yours anymore. Exactly. So that, again, it's the image of this little black girl telling these older white people that the future belongs to me. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That is. That is. That's uh, that's some powerful stuff right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is. That that's powerful stuff. Um, it's. I think it's a, a a crime that this film was not more heralded uh, because it got great reviews. It got great. It had buzz. It had a little bit of buzz, but then, but ultimately, I mean, there's a little bit of the imagery that does evoke the feel of Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah. Um, and and you know in america i could see where people not knowing where to place this film uh another zombie film do i really need to see this and 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 yeah and i think that's you know i'm not a huge walking dead fan mm-hmm. and by i'm not a huge walking dead fan like i'm not a walking dead fan like i don't have anything mm-hmm. against it it's just not my thing but i do think that one of one of the bad results of Walking Dead being so dominant in popular culture over the past five, six years is that it's diluted mm. the image of the zombie so that I think you're absolutely right. I think it's very easy to see a commercial and say, oh, it's just another zombie movie. Yeah. Which I myself have done, mm-hmm. you, you know, because, again, I like some zombie movies. but But it is a shame that this didn't go you know yeah because i think this film really would resonate now to our michelle missionary uh credit um when we posted that we would be reviewing this film the michelle missionaries they knew this film well that that doesn't surprise me in the least because we have a smart bunch it's in cracker Jack. that's why me and you gotta stay on our p's and q's i know <laughs> <laughs> you know that part in the middle of um, a full metal jacket where where Matthew Modine says that they knew that the training was over because the sergeants could hardly contain them mm-hmm. and tell them anything. That's how I feel all the time. <laughs> with, with them showing me. Like all the time I'm talking to some people and I'm like, I, I am barely riding herd on this. Yeah. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that people they were right in lockstep with this film, and uh, they were looking actually very much looking forward to our review of the film. So um, they've got to let us know exactly what they felt about it. Now, here's my question, because I kind of said where I stood. Do you think there's a black film? Well, real quick, I just want to hit up because especially because some people say that I don't give our our Instagram followers a whole lot of love. Okay. So, um, the mean black girl, Charmel Scipio. Hey, what's up, Charmel? Said that this movie was so good. And I say that because she gave it five O's. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Sour Brooklyn said, I really enjoyed it, but they didn't give it a proper promotion. Mm, yeah, that's true. very true. Very, very, very true. Um, 
Saving Sequins. This movie is one of my fave. I feel like the English really know how to do zombie movies between this and 28 Days Later. Uh, David Gray wrote that the book was enjoyable. So glad that they added, wait for it, color for the movie. Great yeah. Casting for both of them. And uh, uh, Bianca Shez said that I really like this book, but she hasn't had a chance to check out the movie yet. However, Real Black. Yo, what's up, Mike Dennis? Hey, what's up, Mike? If this is a good flick, the British know black women are the key to our survival, <laughs> uh, <laughs> i.e. children of men. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. So uh, a lot of people like it. Now, your question to me was, was this a Do you think this was a black film? I do have to say that going into it, I didn't think it was a black film. Okay. And in watching the film, for the most part, I wasn't thinking that it was a black film. Okay. It was at the end. And... I because I only think it was truly at the end that the power of it being a black little girl mm-hmm. being the one that is like you know you know takes control of this pack yeah you know and then takes the bull by the horns her future by the horns it it really was only then at the end I mean there were sometimes when she was you know when she. When the movie opens up and you see her shackled, yeah, I see her color, yeah. But then when you see all the other kids are shackled, sure, her color didn't become. She became just kind of one of the kids, right? And there are certain scenes where she is, you know, she got the face, she got the Hannibal Lecter mask on, you yeah. know, that that's a, a little disturbing, just period, just because, but just because it's a little girl, right? Um, but it was really at the end again that I saw the color. And the color really was hitting me. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is why Vince mm-hmm. is suggesting this film. So I don't know if I would, I don't know if it fits my definition number one of what a black film is mm-hmm. to me. But I think that going by, the different definition of what it speaks to the black experience, what what commentary it offers about that, that I feel that it does meet that criteria. So I could see, I, I wouldn't argue against it being seen as a black film. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. I don't know if I'd 100% say it, be honest, but I wouldn't argue against it. The, the funny thing is I'm now envisioning a double feature for some special children of this with a wrinkle in time. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Like, like let that kind of like, like, like let that percolate, you know, cause it's the same thing. It's like, yeah. you know, if, if, if the little girl is white in a way, it's the same movie. Yeah. But because these are little black girls, mm-hmm. it, Adds this whole different texture so to it. There's a subtext to it that is just not there. That almost changes the movie. It does. Like it almost turns it into a brand new movie when the little girl is black. It, you know, it does because if this is a white person, and you know, Mike Carey says that the ending of this film is 100 percent the same ending as in the in the book. Yes. So 
Except in the book, the teacher is black. So now well, you yeah, have except for the, the race. Now you had a black teacher locked up. Right. Right. And, but 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 if this is a if this is a white girl, basically saying it's not yours anymore, it's ours. You know, this world is not yours; it's ours. Right. Then that basically is saying, okay, this world belongs to the children. Well, you're still their children. Right. You know what I mean? So it's still so so really, what are you raising? Right, you're still raising more of the same. Right, I was about to say it's it it already belonged to you. You didn't have to, like you didn't have to eat everybody. I was giving it to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like based on your zip code and your generations of generational wealth, because your grandfather came home from World War II and could get the GI Bill, you were all right. You were good, right? You were good. You know what I mean? Um, but with it being a black person, it does add a whole nother level because it, it feels revolutionary. Yes. Even though, like you say, this is a hungry. Yeah. But it's a hungry. But then you ask, what are you hungry for? And right. Like, so what? You're hungry. I mean, apparently all the humans are going to be dead. But no, but I'm saying you're hungry for the, the freedom. They're hungry for right. the knowledge. They're hungry for oh. to be taught. Teach me. Tell me stories. You know, I know there's an intellect in here. Right. Feed me. That's all she wanted from the teacher. And and again, even the the literal hungry part, like if all the humans are going to be turned into hungries, Mm -hmm. you assume they're just going to be eating rats and cats and stuff. Yeah. What's the real difference between eating a cat and eating chicken and eating a cow and eating a pig? Than it just being cultural. You're right. I think I've been very good. I've not gone on out on any. T- I've not done any tangents at all. You have not. Can't do a tangent. We're about due. We're about, about ready due. to wrap. Sorry. So tangent before we wrap up. Tangent before we wrap up. So I was talking to my daughter about meat. You know, would you, you know what kind of meat people eat? This, that, and the other. As one does. As one does. And there was um, there was a story, an expose, you know, maybe 10 years ago about how during World War II, there was a shortage mm-hmm. of meat in the United States. And there was this incident where they were giving horse meat to mm. people and not telling them it was horse meat. Okay. My father, who was a little boy. In World War II, born in 39, so he's like five, six. He says he remembers one night his father, my grandfather, brought all the steaks that he could eat to the house. Okay. And my dad wondered, was that maybe horse? Okay. Which then my daughter and I were talking about, you know, different cultural norms. And I said, you know, he goes, because of course she said, ew, people were eating horses. I said, well, you know. There are parts of France where where people eat horses. And you talked about all around the world, people eat different types of animals. And the only thing that separates an animal from a pet. Geography. Is geography. So in this, like, like you kind of look at all of it. They have great smell. I love there's a detail at the end where she says, I don't have to breathe as much as y'all do. Yeah. I'm faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like like we've evolved. I love that detail about the breathing because that and because like you said, it's at the end of the movie. But what's that? What is that doing? 
that is paying off a detail from the beginning of the movie. Right. When you hear her counting. Yes. I love that. And you realize she's holding her breath. I love that, man. Yeah. So so well done. So yeah, girl with all the girl with all the gifts. Yeah, this is uh she's got all the gifts and then some. I'm very interested to see what uh Sanea Nanua does next. She has not been in anything. She I was know. in this short film, but exact I mean cuz she's amazing. Yeah. I would be really interested to see what she does next, man. Um cuz uh she she's she seems to have it. You know, it's one film. So yeah. You don't want to anoint her. Right, right, right. Sure. Just yet. But um, yeah, good work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good work. Good work. Good film. Thank you, Vince. Hey, I'm here to suggest things. <laughs> but now. Yes. It's your turn. It is actually my turn. Okay, yeah. Because you you like kind of like dropped this bomb last oh, week. Oh, yeah. That, you know, you're going to you are going to come with it. Oh, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting for this. How long have you been waiting to drop this this film? Uh, probably from the moment you said, hey, Vince, what do you think about doing a podcast about black movies? Really? Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. I have to say, I know this is going to crush your feelings, Mm -hmm. but there's not a hint of Afrofuturism in Lethal Weapon (laughs) 2. No, there isn't. (laughs) Which is why I'm saving Lethal Weapon for another episode. Okay. But next week, Mm -hmm. we are going to watch a small film from 1974, I believe. 1974? Okay. Welcome home, Brother Charles. Oh, yes. I heard you say that. Welcome home, Brother Charles. Welcome home, Brother Charles. Now, who was in this film? No one of note. Really? The only thing that is really noteworthy about Welcome Home, Brother Charles is that it is directed by and I always I want to pronounce his name correctly now my Rudy Ray Moore it is not directed by Rudy Ray Moore no no it is not yeah. it is I, I could at least give him something no. <laughs> <laughs> of course when you want to look up something very quickly it uh Things don't go quite the way. <laughs> right, right, right. It is directed by Jamal Fanaka. Jamal Fanaka? Jamal Fanaka. And if you know anything about Jamal Fanaka. Oh, it's from 1975. Okay. If you know anything about Jamal Fanaka, you know about his film from 1979, Penitentiary. Oh, yeah. So this is a film. this is a film that he directed before Penitentiary. Okay. Welcome home, Brother Charles. All right. Directed by Jamal Fanaka. It is amazingly on Amazon Prime. It's actually on Brown Sugar. Like, I actually went into my basement and dug out my DVD to give to you. Because there, it, it can't there's, be there's absolute, like, I again, the times that we live in, 
<laughs> like if you would have told me 10 years ago that Welcome Home Brother Charles or its other title Soul Vengeance. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Lord. We're going to refer to it as Welcome Home, Brother Charles. Uh, what are we watching? <laughs> was on Amazon Prime. I'd say, what? Say what? It's called Soul Vengeance. That was the other title. That That's the title. Welcome that, Home, Brother Charles. A.K.A. Soul Vengeance. That's what the, that's what the company, that's what the, the, the movie company retitled it. All right, well, that's coming up next week, please. I strongly suggest to all of our Michelle missionaries that you watch it and then come back and we talk about it. Okay. Well, it's available on Amazon Prime. It's, it's, it did. It, Amazon Prime. Um, it might be on Brown Sugar, but, oh, but it's okay. definitely on Amazon Prime. Okay. Then go check it out. Yeah. And, and that will be the last film oh. as we wrap up our Afrofuturism month. Slash science fiction. Yes. Welcome home, Brother Charles, directed by Jamal Fanaka. There are approximately, let me put my finger in the air and, and see which way the wind is blowing. There are approximately 30 Michelle missionaries that just heard that and said, oh! And for the rest of you, we'll talk next week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let us know what you thought of this episode and all of our past episodes that are available for your download and streaming pleasure on Michelle Missionary. Not Michelle Missionary. On MichelleMission.com. Um, and the show is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, um, Spotify, a whole bunch of places, any place and every place that good podcasts be, including the Podglomerate Podcast Network, which I'm glad you said something because um, that I, I should announce ahead of schedule for you, ladies and gentlemen, that once we end Afrofuturism week next uh, month, next week, mm-hmm. uh, so will end the show missions um current run on the black tribbles podcast network okay um the black tribbles podcast network is actually um adding two shows to their network okay so in doing that the show mission for the second time we feel like we've got our feet under us yes we are, we are we're staunch in with Podglomerate with the Podglomerate Podcast Network. Yes. So we are going to be available on MichelleMission.com. Yes. You can you can download, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud and any place you subscribe to pod, podcast, hit your radio, all of that. Or you can go to the Podglomerate Podcast Network and get us there, but uh, which is available at Podglomerate.com. But Beginning in May, those will be the only ways to get the Michelle mission. So please join us. So please join us. Lock us in. We, we're ready to. We're ready to run like big boys. There you go. So that's what it is. Our Black Trouble brethren, of which I am one, are letting us go. Yes. And run and and, and frolic uh, <gasps> on Black our Black butterfly. Don't start if you don't know the word. <laughs> 
Don't start if you don't know the words. Because you know I will go there. Uh, I love myself some Denise Williams, man. Shoot, man. It was always somebody doing um some type of interpretive dance to Black Butterfly. You can't help it, man. At at like at like the 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 whatever um talent show or of the course. this that and the other and you'd go wherever you go to a especially if you went to like a police athletically talent show and there's mm-hmm. a black chick there or or if you went to some like it's Showtime Junior right right like right there's 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 the Kappas had a talent show and there was two songs that were you knew you were going to hear if there were black girls singing on, singing mm-hmm. on this joint. Especially, well, maybe back in the 80s. Maybe once the 90s. Oh, this, right, this is in the 90s, too. I don't know. Because once Dream Cause that's Girls. That's when I was seeing it. After the Dream Girls movie came out, a lot of people wanted to see Jennifer Hudson's song. Right. Too. Oh, I'm talking about the dancing. Oh, well, like I'm, they would dance to Black Butterfly. I never saw interpreting and have dance on, to Black Butterfly. Oh, yeah, they have on like the long flowy skirt and then the real tight leotard top like Thelma used to have on Good Times. And then they dance on the stage. Mm, I don't remember that. And me and my boys, we like go to 7-Elevens before the, the show and get like a big gulp, whatever you wanted. Like I would get like fruit punch and get a big gulp and drink like a quarter of it down mm-hmm. and then Fill that all the way back up to the top with like grain. <laughs> shake it up. Gotta shake it up. Get a shake and then go and you sit and you watch it. And I'd sit and sometimes I'd like I'd actually almost have a tear in my eye because it'd be so beautiful. <laughs> like I sit and sip on my fruit punch and grain alcohol and watch some sister on stage with a big flowy skirt and a tight leotard. Uh, top and she be moving back and forth because she was a dance minor like I'm a dance minor and she danced back and forth and I sit and say this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life grain slurpy talk right right yo Vince what's wrong with you ain't nothing wrong with me what's wrong with you but she wasn't a dance minor what it was is she didn't take dance but she praised dance at church right so that gave her the license right to dance and she'd be barefoot and moving across the stage black butter Oh God! Oh, oh, we're sorry. Oh, we apologize. Oh, but it'd be so beautiful. So we're like the Black Butterfly now. Yes. All right. Yes. But just to finish my story, the two songs that you will always hear was Black Butterfly. Someone's going to sing Black Butterfly, and somebody was going to sing Home. Yes. From yes. The yes. My mess up home. See, I can't say that because my sister would sing Home. Oh, and she would crush it. Your sister singing Home, I'm sure, was wonderful. Nice clean up there. Vince. Hey, man. Stop <laughs> for us to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> He's Vince. I'm Len. Until we meet again. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.